Hello and welcome to the Being Forces Friendly podcast, a new monthly podcast where we'll be sitting down with experts from the armed forces, government and business to discuss the armed forces covenant, engaging with defence and how to be the best forces friendly organisation that you can be. I'm this month's host Eloise and today we'll be answering the question, what is the armed forces covenant? So, for our inaugural episode, I'm very pleased to welcome an expert on the Armed Forces Covenant, Minister for Defence Veterans, Reserves and Personnel, Mark Lancaster. Minister, thank you very much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure. So, for members of the audience who are a bit less aware of the Armed Forces Covenant, could you start by telling us a little bit about it? Well, the Armed Forces Covenant was enshrined in law back in 2011 and really It's just a statement from the nation saying to our serving personnel and indeed our former serving personnel that they shouldn't be disadvantaged through their service and in certain circumstances, perhaps if they've been injured, they should actually get priority treatment. So it strikes me that the Armed Forces Covenant is an essential part of supporting our Armed Forces community, those people who have already given up so much to support us and making sure that they have an equal opportunity. It's obvious that a big part of that is the public sector's support and the public's support. But it's interesting to know your thoughts on how business plays into this and how business can support the Armed Forces Covenant. Well, I think there's a number of different ways that businesses can help support the Armed Forces Covenant. And there is no set way because, of course, rather like uh, people, every business is different. But one of the ways that's been most popular in recent years is by signing the Armed Forces Covenant pledge Um, and currently we have about 1400 companies which have signed this. Um, This can take the form in many different ways potentially uh, you could work with reservists who you could employ or you could recognize that maybe you employ service spouses and give them some extra time off when their service personnel are away or potentially looking at your own services you could actually give discounts to service personnel or modify your contract. So we've had mortgage providers, for example, who now don't force service personnel um, to change their mortgage when they get posted overseas so they can sublet uh, their houses. Or uh, we've got phone companies which now offer special discounts to service personnel and don't force them to stop their contracts when they get posted overseas. There's no set way that you can uh, support the armed forces personnel, but it, it just can take many different forms. It's all about really deciding what you can do to support our service community. It's interesting to see how many opportunities there are for people to get involved and how, how big an impact that businesses can make. Mm. I guess at this point a lot of businesses would be questioning what the benefits for them are. In what way do they benefit from supporting the Armed Forces Covenant? Well this is absolutely a two-way street. It's not just about what businesses can do for our armed forces. It's also how we can support business in return. Um, traditionally of course we recognise that armed forces personnel uh, have got a whole series of skill sets which potentially they can help when they leave the armed forces to support businesses. Uh, we, by tradition, produce highly motivated, well-disciplined um, people who, when they move to business, will be great. Um, it could be a case of employing a reservist, and when they serve as reserves, uh, the skill sets that they can bring to business can be um, very beneficial as well. Or indeed, it can even be uh, employing service spouses because of the very special skill sets that they have. 
We like to think also that now when we train our service personnel that we're trying to align their skill sets with the needs of business. It's something we call the enterprise approach to recognise um, that the skill sets we need uh, in the armed forces are very similar to those that businesses require. It's all about trying to produce people which can help our wider society whether they are in the armed forces or indeed in the commercial sector. You mentioned the two-way street aspect of the Armed Forces Covenant and the mutual benefits to both defence and business. Mm. With this in mind, how can defence support business? Well, I think we recognise that the relationship with business has not always been as good as it could have been, which is why after 2012, when we did a survey, we have now set up a series of specialist defence engagement teams to try and work with business to find out what business needs are. This is particularly important for us, for example, when we get to something called the Career Transition Partnership. This is the process when our service personnel want to leave service and move into civilian employment. By getting those relationships right with business, we can ensure that our service personnel leave the armed forces with the right skill sets and that they can then move into employment uh, in the civilian world. There really is just so much that people get out of it, if not only because it's amazing to be seen as a organisation that is supporting something that's having such a great effect. I mean, the Armed Forces Covenant has made huge leaps since its launch. It's taken some really big steps. I mean, what would you say are some of its biggest achievements? I think we've done a lot over the last five years. Indeed, we've just published our fifth report. I think probably we should focus on three principal areas, health, uh, education and accommodation. In the areas of health, well, the majority of our service personnel leave um, service fit and healthy, both physically and mentally. Um, but for the very small percentages that don't, we've recently uh, established the Veterans Trauma Network, uh, which is there to support them. And also we now have the Integrated High Dependency Care uh, process, which really helps in the transition uh, from service life into civilian life, meaning that they're better placed then to move to work in industry. When it comes to education, for example, we have the service pupil premium, which is now some £22 million across 700 schools, where we're giving extra support, financial support, uh, to schools so that they can accommodate um, service children. Um, we've also found that every local authority now has changed their entrance policy so that as service personnel get posted back from overseas or around the UK, their children can uh, join mid-term without any disadvantage. And finally, in the area of accommodation, I'm delighted that local authorities have changed their policies uh, so that service personnel potentially um, can get priority for up to 24 months after uh, moving to an area or indeed after they leave service. And we've also set up several schemes, Forces Help to Buy, uh, where service personnel can help um, to have financial support to um, buy their own home. So there's been lots achieved over the last five years, but we all have an obligation, um, both local authorities, businesses and the wider community, to continue to do what we can to support our service personnel and veterans. How would you say business has contributed to that? I think business has been a really big part of this um, process uh, and indeed the ongoing success that we've seen over the last five years. I've already touched on some of the commercial ways uh, which businesses can support through offering discounts or just recognising that service life can be more disruptive uh, than normal civilian life. Um, but I think equally in the way um, that they have recognised uh, when they employ reserves, potentially giving extra time off for reserve service, or indeed um, the ability to support service spouses by recognising that they also can have difficulties when their husbands or 
partners are away overseas. But businesses have got a tremendous part to play, uh, and I'm really pleased to see so many have been signing their pledges. One of the main ways Defence acknowledges businesses who are forces friendly is through the Employer Recognition Scheme, or ERS Awards. Now, for members of the audience who maybe haven't heard of these, the scheme, it was set up a few years ago and was designed to celebrate employers who go above and beyond to support the armed forces community. Now, since its launch, the scheme has gone from strength to strength, but could you tell us about some of the highlights? Well, it's been tremendous over the last few years. Um, uh, recently, I attended the Silver Awards in London, where we had a whole series of companies from across uh, the city of London who received that award. Uh, award. Since its launch in 2014, the Employer Recognition Scheme has grown substantially in prestige, being endorsed by the Prime Minister and was supported by the Royal Family at the 2016 Gold Awards, where His Royal Highness the Duke of Cambridge attended and presented the awards. The scheme has already recognised 47 organisations who have pledged, advocated and demonstrated their support for the armed forces community and awarded them gold. These organisations come from all over the UK, from an SME in Wales and an international bank, and businesses of all shapes and sizes are being recognised. Finally, we couldn't let you go without finding out a little bit about what the future holds for the Armed Forces Covenant. Could you tell our listeners about what your key priorities for 2017 are? I think probably as we move forward, communication remains the key. One of the challenges we face uh, is to continue to explain both to wider society, businesses and service personnel just what the government means. So that's why we're investing quite a lot of money to try and get the communication piece right so that everybody understands what their obligations and duties are when it comes to supporting our service personnel under the Armed Forces Covenant. And that is all we have time for today. Minister, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been great getting an insight into the Covenant. I myself have found it incredibly informative, as I know our audience will. And for our listeners, if you've enjoyed the episode and don't want to miss next month, then hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. Or if you have a question, send it to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook. Join us again next month when your host Olivia will be giving you a behind-the-scenes peek at the Partner of Defence conference. I've been your host Eloise and thank you very much for listening.